friends, I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale. Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. While we bring a little bit about a forget about it to it, and bless your heart, darling. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Forget about it. There's gonna be a lot of blessing to know that heart today. <laughs> Here's your disclaimer, chatters. The following crime chat contains adult content and potentially violent scenarios. Your listener discretion is advised you have been warned and before we get into today's crime chat cat what have you done have you seen the movie in the invitation on netflix is that with the girl from game of thrones at masande yes i have not yet that's but I, where i saw her it's on my hit list she's gorgeous i mean she's stunning oh yeah she absolutely amazing movie mm. by the way mm. the, it's like so she is an only child loses both of her parents and then does a DNA test, founds out she's a 100% bad bitch. Oh, oh, she's that bitch. She's that bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gets a message from, like, a potential relative who's mm-hmm. from England and... Mm-hmm. Gets invited over to this like wedding where she can meet all of the relatives over there. And let's just say it was appetizing. Yeah, relatives aren't always a good thing. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a great movie. And even though it, it's a vampire movie. Oh, it is. Okay, I oh, didn't know that. Oh, that, well, yeah, it's kind of in the teaser for that. So I didn't give anything away. Okay, okay. I had, I jumped a few times. Really? Like, I watched it one night when Chris was on shift. Mm -hmm. So I was watching it, you know, at home by myself at night thinking, oh, this will be good. But no, I was like, oh, I had a jumpy moment a couple times. And Chris was like, I told him about it and he said that he was wanting to see it. And he's like, well, I probably would have been under the covers. It's like, had the blanket. Does he get scared like that? He Well, he didn't like Stranger Things at first. Right. So he doesn't like scary. I'm easing him into it. Okay. Okay. But we have to watch things like during the day like we watched the new it it movies like it one and the second chapter chapter two yeah we watched that recently and he's like we can only watch it during the day because bad things don't happen during the day with all the lights on have with you have you watched on. the movie it everything happens in the day <laughs> oh i oh true story yeah. <laughs> oh yes. my god and then the other god. thing is so season 11 just came out on netflix for the walking dead so the whole mm. season like the whole or the whole series is now on so we started and because my husband only got about halfway through the series he's like can we st- re-watch that you probably don't mind and i was like hell yeah we can rewatch that so they have all the seasons on netflix right now i can go back to the beginning yeah. and watch everything yes perfect yeah so i think just that first week of january the season 11 came out so we mm. actually started watching it before season 11 came out we're up to like we're in season five now Okay. So we're about, well, we're getting to be about halfway. Okay. So, and it was funny because as we're watching it and stuff, I was like, you know, you know, a couple of those like touching moments or like sad moments when the first time when you thought Glenn died, mm-hmm. right? And everything. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. He's like, why are you crying? And I was like, it's still touching. I mean, I might have seen it a thousand times, but it's. Yeah. Tugs at the heart, heartstrings. Yeah, it's so, and it, and the first episode alone is so crazy, especially when he's when he's running down the street with a horse and the, yeah. they're attacking the horse. Like that breaks my heart. I'm like, oh my god, oh, okay. uh, horsey! And then he ends up in the tank and he's like, hey, dumbass, <laughs> in the tank, Glenn. Great, he's great. <laughs> now you're feeling better. You sound better. 
Oh my God. I went through a horrible, I mean, I went from COVID to respiratory infection to pneumonia. Mm. So last week's episode, I had pneumonia and I didn't know it (laughs) (laughs) until until like the next day when I couldn't breathe. Yeah. But it's all better. Doctor cured me. I'm all good again. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I still sound like friends, Dresher. So I I don't think... (laughs) You do sound much better. You sound much, much better. You look better. Not that you look bad. Oh, my God, I feel better. But I bet you do feel better. (laughs) Yeah, you don't feel like you're in a bubble or in a cloud anymore. I'm starting to feel like my old crazy self. Other than that, like this week, I... Your old nutty nat self. My old nutty nat self, yeah, I am. So this week, I started watching on Netflix, new Netflix series, limited series. It's called The Cabinet of Curiosity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yep. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the the teaser for it. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's the director that did Pan's Labyrinth Mm -hmm. back maybe 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he is like a Spanish director. And he's just got – he's so creative. And his visuals that he comes up with Mm -hmm. is just so – he said, he goes – when he was making Pan's Labyrinth, he's like, I want to create something that would be in in the adult version of a nightmare. Sure. I don't want to be something like it, like, you know, where you have like this single scary figure. He wanted everything yeah. to be like this huge, like engulfing experience. And he's so good at it. Oh my God, he's so talented. Yeah. But other than that, that's, yeah, that's, I've just been catching up on stuff. Good. Finally feeling, you know, like I can sleep and stuff. Yes. That's so important. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to share with you and chatters. Um, so have you ever shopped at Ross or like, yeah. not the 99 cent store, but just like Ross, like, yeah. you know, how, yeah. before you walk out, they have those like cheap little like aisles with candies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There is a candy I picked up. Cat, it's insane. Oh. But it's soup. it's super cheap stuff. But it's called the Cherry Sticks. Oh, yeah. It is like, you, you ever, you know those, you remember those old-fashioned ring candies with the jelly inside? It's like got like the gelatized yeah. raspberry in it. Yeah. <gasps> Kath, this is so good. <laughs> it's so good. What have I been eating? Totally so unhealthy, but it's really, really good. Well, I'm excited you're feeling better. Mm. You obviously are. I mean, you got, I'm eating. got a candy. <laughs> <laughs> I got the candy out. And also, we're, we are both excited because this is the first Crime and Cosmetics segment for season two. Um, Yay! Woo! Woohoo! We are going to talk a little bit of drama in the beauty industry. I can't wait. Yeah. I've never heard of this story before, so this is new to me. And I have not looked at well, it. Well, it was new to me, too, <laughs> in, <laughs> in researching the story. But before you get into your intro story, because, like, I didn't look at your story. I didn't want to do an intro on the crime of cosmetics because mm-hmm. I figured, you know what, I want. I don't want to. I don't know what your story is about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I want. I want to keep it fresh. But for Christmas, I was gifted a like a serial killer book. I think we went over it last episode. Yeah. And it's it's the my serial killer cookbook, and it's uh, last last. Uh, crime trivia disturbing delicious last meals of death row most famous killers and murderers yes so Pat, 
I'm thinking that I I may need to throw some trivia <laughs> at your at your ass. It's my this turn. Time. It's my it's turn. It's your turn. All right. It's and it's not gonna it's not gonna be hard, but it is gonna be like each question is gonna have two sub questions. So do I get a half a point per sub question? You can. Okay. Okay. And you can call a friend or ask Bella. Okay. Okay. Bella. <laughs> Come here. Okay. Phone a friend. <laughs> So before we get into it, though, I want to do a little bit, you know, before we get into our shenanigans, let's talk about Death Row for a second, oh, okay? Oh, yes, let's. And I don't mean the records. I'm talking <laughs> Death Row, okay. It's been around since 1608, but it has long been debated under various different presidential administrations, yes. as we know. Yes. The death penalty is also known as the capital punishment, mm-hmm. can be used for crimes involving murder, murder, as we know. Yes. Obviously. Today, 24 states use it, 23 don't allow it, and three have a temporary hold on it. Mm-hmm. Since 1976, there have been 1,532 executions on in total in America. Okay. That's a lot, Kat. That's a lot of murder. That's a lot of murder. Well, a lot of murdering. Yeah. Depending on what you uh, believe. <laughs> the, I know. the main method is that's used is lethal injection, but there mm-hmm. are other methods used yep. in the past, like electrocution, yep. which can't be fun. Yeah. Hanging, death by firing squad, yeah. gassing. Yeah. The death penalty in America was influenced by England. Of course. Of course. The first person to be killed in the U.S. was Captain George Handel. In 1608, mm-hmm. he was put to death by a firing squad mm-hmm. for serving as a Spanish spy in Jamestown in the colony of Virginia. Spying goes way back. It's almost it as old as prostitution. Oh, nothing's older than that, girl. <laughs> I said almost. Almost. In 1972, the Supreme Court declared the death penalty a cruel and unusual punishment that violated the Eighth Amendment. Mm -hmm. Now, the Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibits the federal government from imposing excessive bail, excessive fines, or cruel and unusual punishments. Mm -hmm. The amendment was adopted on December 15th, 1791, along with the rest of the United States into the Bill of Rights. Yep. But that's a while ago. I don't know. A hot minute. From 1972 to 1976, there were no executions mm-hmm. in America at the time mm-hmm. from the state to the federal level, but the Supreme Court decided to allow it again, but this time by with appellate review, meaning that the higher court must review the decisions of the lower courts, mm-hmm. and the death penalty resumed by the following year. In the 2000s, the Supreme Court rules abolish the death pen- penalty for young people and people with intellectual disabilities. Yep, yep. Thank God. We've talked about some of this before, too. Mm-hmm. Especially, I think we talked about one crime chat that was in between 72 and 76 where they couldn't have issued him the death penalty at the time because it wasn't in existence. And I can't remember who that was. Was that your posthumous pardons? No, because they were, they were the ones who we talked about on the posthumous pardons is mm-hmm. they, they were given the death sentence and then pardoned for their crime post their death. After they? Post the, after they were executed. How the, how, what the, oh mm-hmm. my lord. Okay. Yeah. But we did talk about it, about that break from 72 to 76, where there were no, we did talk about that during that time. Yeah, what? And there might have been one of the, there might have been one in there that I can't remember. And that was a hot spot for serial killers back then, so shocking yes while a majority of people executed since 1976 have been white the disproportionate number have been have been black black people make up about 13 percent of population that has been executed that's a large number Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. knowing that majority of serial killers are white men i i just don't you know 
but we're okay we're moving on yeah the death penalty has also been criticized for killing innocent people yes and it's not even cheaper a lot of people don't realize they're like oh just give them the death penalty it is actually more expensive for our country to put somebody to the death penalty so the minimum average of what a federal trial costs for somebody to be put to the death penalty and this is a, a simple easy shut case is about six hundred thousand mm. dollars and yeah. that's not even the cost of the injection or all that that's just a trial yeah of course yeah it's crazy because i mean and you already mentioned it so the lower courts if they if this like state courts do a death penalty it does it automatically gets appealed to the supreme court mm-hmm. so that whole review process to avoid that cruel and unusual punishment of the eighth amendment right. like you mentioned so it is an, an automatic review of the facts and circumstances of the case and whether or not the sentencing was justly issued. Right. And now I have some honorable mentions from Hollywood because a lot of us aren't that familiar with the death with death row other than outside of Hollywood. So let's just Mm -hmm. talk about it. (laughs) So a couple of great movies that you should check out is one live from death row. Mm -hmm. Next one is my all time favorite. The Green Mile. Yes, great movie. Yeah. I, I was actually trying to look for a like a if there the Green Mile actually exists, it doesn't. It's just mm-hmm. a fictitious place. Yeah, yeah. Uh next one is the chamber. I've never seen that. Nope. And I'm assuming that's like the death chamber or the uh, gas chamber i would think so yeah next one is dead man walking i've heard of this one but i've never seen it Mm -hmm. i think that's uh dwayne johnson oh okay okay i think i could be wrong i could be wrong all right gotta check that out next (laughs) one is 14 days in may have you ever heard of that one no uh next one is somebody has to shoot the picture i mean these movies can go back you know like uh, these are just a couple of real popular ones that people love Mm -hmm. then there's like active documentary list of death row inmates in the united states List of mm-hmm. women on death row in the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last one is The Execution Chamber. I've never seen any of these movies other than The Mm-mm. Green Mile, but I will be checking them out. Wasn't Eileen Warnos? Warnos, yeah. Wasn't right. she the first woman to be executed by death penalty? Maybe. Mm. Oh, wait, is that a question? Maybe. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be striking up extra credit I, yet, Kat. I promise. <laughs> I, look, Chatters, I promise. On the script, there's no questions. There's no questions. I was... She, I just have ESPN. She's just got too much crime on the mind. <laughs> All the time. Murder. Yeah, murder. But I think like the most honorable mention here is Truman Capote. Mm-hmm. He wrote the true crime novel In Cold Blood in 1966, which labeled him a, which was labeled a, a nonfiction novel, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was oh, the details okay. of the, the, it was the actual details of the 1959 murders of four mem- members of the Cutler family in a small farming community in Kansas. And yeah. he went to like the jail cell. He interviewed them. Mm-hmm. He did it. He, mm-hmm. he put together his novel and yeah. I think it was just too ahead of the, the curve for people to read such horrific events that they actually mm-hmm. just said, oh, it's nonfiction. It's, it's yeah. a novel. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, this stuff didn't yeah. really happen. But this is going to lead us to our little game. <laughs> so, Kat, are you ready? Yes. For your trivia yes. questions? Let's play some trivia! <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, Kat, you, yes. after an unfortunate change of murderous events, mm-hmm. you find yourself sitting on death row. Oh. Yeah. Never. Sucker. I know. Never. No no mirrors, no eyelashes, no lipstick, no hairbrush. Mm. You're you're in a place. No shoelaces. You might murder again. <laughs> you're, you're in a place, okay? <laughs> okay. 
Unfortunately for you, I have a book. At least they can't take food away, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna do my best to quiz Cat. This is gonna be hard, Chatters. I don't know she, she knows it. She knows a thing or two. All right, so here we go. So William George Bonin was an American serial killer and twice paroled sex offender okay. who committed rape, torture, and murder of a minimum of 21 young men and boys in the series of killings in California okay. from May 1979 to June 1980. Okay. He was described by the prosecutor as being the most arch evil person that has ever existed. Cat, what did the press call him? <gasps> It was in California. Late 70s Late to 1980. 70s. That narrows it down. <laughs> like every fucking zero killer. <laughs> uh, I, I, if you say it, I'm probably going to be like, well, duh. You probably are. You tell me when. You, you, you're, you, I know. You say, I'm yeah, out. Tap go, out if you have uh, to. Go ahead. All right. It was the freeway killer. Oh, okay. Bonin was convicted of 14 murders linked to the freeway killers in two separate trials in 1982 and 1983. Mm -hmm. He spent 14 years on death row before he was executed by lethal injection mm -hmm. at San Quentin State Prison in 1996. Bowen was the first inmate in California to die by this method of lethal injection. First ever or just California? In California. Okay. Cat, yes. follow up question. What do you think this man ordered up for his last meal? Ice cream. Son of a bitch. How do you know that? <laughs> was it really ice cream? Wait. Well, okay. All right. Well, this is, see? Jesus Christ. Okay. I mean, so I, would order, order I, would, I would eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay he ordered two pepperoni two sausage pizzas three servings of ice cream and a six pack of coke and pepsi both six pack of coke and a six pack of pepsi in the book they have the recipe of the ice cream that he he wanted and it's called a no churn chocolate ice cream and it looks really good mm. so it's just made up of like heavy cream condensed milk cocoa powder and large chunks of chocolate fudge I mean, mm. it looks good. This recipe book is no joke. I mean, they- oh, delicious. Now that wasn't right? his actual, that was just a recreation of, okay. I don't think he got it in, in the beautiful stainless steel Presentation. Cup. No, I, think, I, <laughs> I hope not, I hope not. Well, okay, half a point. See, I'm shocked. Okay, but I shouldn't be, but I'm shocked. But well, I, I mean, if you think about it, it's probably gonna be like steak, seafood, pizza. I was gonna say pizza too, ice cream, cake. You think it would be. A lot of them had really odd things that I'm like, really, that's your last meal? Yeah, I don't know, but it gets better. So, next question, you ready? Yeah. I included this one because it's mob related. Oh. You love the mob. All right. <laughs> Francis Crowley, this is an old mob boss, okay? Francis Crowley, he was an American murderer. His crime spree lasted about three months, mm -hmm. ending in a two hour shootout with the New York City Police Department on May 7th, 1931. Mm -hmm. He was witnessed by 15,000 bystanders and received national attention for the shootout. Okay. Does it sound familiar at all? Mm. No, it's, it's an old <laughs> one. It's an oldie but good. I don't know. Boardwalk Empire ended in the 20s, I think. Maybe not. It was the early 30s, so I don't know that they mentioned it. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> That's my biggest correlation. Boardwalk, et Boardwalk Empire. Empire ended in the 1920s. What do you mean? No, the about? time frame of when they were filming it. Oh. Okay. I mean, obviously it was on HBO 10 years ago or whatever, but like the time frame, the era of which, the atmosphere. I wonder if this guy was mentioned at all. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, uh, I had to watch it again. You know, the crazy part is only in New York City do you get witnessed by 15,000 bystanders. 
I was going to say that's a number. That's a number. That's a high number. Yeah. So in 1932, he was executed by what mm-hmm. method, Cat? Oh, firing squad. No. Oh, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't get that one right. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, you want to try again? Hanging. No. Electrocution? Yeah. Electric chair. Okay. Yeah. So, Cat. What do you think he ordered for his last meal, this wise guy? A cannoli and a stromboli. See, now that, <laughs> right there, that would be a good, I would order that for my last meal. <laughs> I would do that. Now, he ordered steak and onions, french fries, apple pie, and a broth ice cream combined with melted ice cream. A broth ice cream. Never heard of a broth ice cream, and that does not sound appealing. I have a picture. Okay. So there's the broth ice cream. It looks like a soup. It looks like it's just melted. Yeah. It's like a soupy ice cream, but they said that when they served him the ice cream, they adorned it with black sprinkles that represents one of each of his victims. (laughs) So they did have style back then. Back then on death row. That's something I would do. Here's one for each of your... Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. But that's a lot. I know. That's a lot of food. I know. You ready for the last one? Give it to me. All right. Here we go. Between 1989 and 1990, this American serial killer engaged in street prostitution. Ooh. Along the highways in Florida, Mm. she shot dead and robbed seven male clients. Mm. That she claimed the clients either raped her or attempted to rape her and that the homicides were merely self-defense. Who was she, Kat? Eileen Warley? What was her last name? Warnos. Warnos, yes. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) So Warnos was sentenced to death for six murders on October 9th, 2002, after serving 12 years on Florida's death row. She Mm -hmm. was executed by lethal injection. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Monster. You know, I've seen bits and pieces of it, and I wanted to go back and actually watch it again because I watched this Catching Killers documentary on Netflix, Mm -hmm. and that's where they kind of go back and like talk to the investigators and kind of get their take on how the investigation went from start to finish and that one of them was the investigators for Eileen Warnos right and I was like you know what I want to go back and watch Monster again because it's been a while it's been a while since I've seen that that movie's amazing so that that film yeah. came out in 2003 Charlize Theron right she won the Academy Award for Best Actress I mean she yeah nailed that big time wasn't it Eileen's girlfriend is the one that got immunity and actually turned her in yeah yeah and they got her on a pretext phone call recording the phone call between the girlfriend and Eileen I just don't understand like how she got away Scott clean because she was an accomplice there's just no got immunity no. she was offered immunity for her testimony Amused. yep so Eileen Warnos, what do you think she ordered for her last meal McDonald's girl you're not you're not entirely wrong okay yeah uh-huh. she declined to order her last meal Okay. to do it instead she went to the cafeteria the jail cafeteria she she ordered a hamburger okay got a few snacks from the vending machine and a cold cup of coffee from the last bit of a container mm-hmm. that was still there and that's what she had she mm. just she just gave zero fucks like she was yeah she's done She's done. I don't want a last meal. I just, yeah. Well, okay, so. It's sad, but, uh. Yeah. So that was good. You did, Kat, you did, you did pretty damn good. Eh. <laughs> 
chatters. If you want any of these delicious recipes, please check out Crime Chat. After that, after that Crime Chat, Natalie will list the recipes. Uh-huh. We, we'll pick out our favorites. I was not going to go down the ones that I knew you knew, like the Ted Bundys and the John Wayne Gacy's. Like, I knew you knew a little bit about that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, there's somebody else. Cool. I hope that's set up a little bit for your story. It really didn't do anything for your story. No. But I just, it's fun. No, there's no death row in my story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no food. Okay. <laughs> But we are going to talk crime and cosmetics mm. chatters. As I first looked into the story, I was like, okay, like not that big of a deal. So what? I had the so what factor going on. Right. But as I really started digging in and researching, poof, there it was. Really? It just kind of was like, oh, shit. I found out just how scandalous the beauty industry can be. And I'm like, uh, why? Like, why? Mm-hmm. So we also did a poll recently. Our topic is going to be Lime Crime product. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? It sounds very familiar, but I don't think I've ever purchased a product from Lime Crime, but uh, okay. are they still around? They are. Oh, we'll talk about it. Okay, okay. Well, you're not the only one who really hasn't heard of it. Based on our poll that we did, we posted on like all the socials, right. putting all of that together, 58% answered Lime Who? Really? Yeah. Okay. So our question was basically, have you ever heard of Lime Crime? Have you ever used their products? What do you think about their products? Would you not use their products because of the scandal that they were involved in, which we're going to get into? Or, you know, have you never even heard of it? So mm-hmm. a majority, over half, have never heard of Lime Crime. They might now. Mm. But hey, here we go. The next one was about 25% answered, I've never used it, but I want to. And only 1% said, yes, I would not leave home without it. Another 8%, yes, I like them, but not my favorite favorite right so nobody from this whole specifically said i've heard bad things about the company i would never use her products again so that's interesting your mind may change their reputations kind of precedes them a little bit yeah their former slogan was so bright it's illegal yeah and women don't give a fuck if it's a good product we don't care yeah a little crime it's all right give me an eyeshadow palette good i didn't see a thing (laughs) this may have come true for this brand we've got fraud threat fake deaths and potentially poisonous ingredients. Are you intrigued? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, founded in 2008 by Doe Deer, a.k.a. Zena Voratova, Uh Lime Crime was initially launched as an independent company an original handmade fashion line exclusively selling through Zena's eBay account, and she was only 23 years old at the time. She then transitioned into the beauty industry, featuring a small collection of colorful glitters, loose pigments, brushes, and a blush ranging anywhere from $12 to $25. She became well-known for the eccentric and colorful products, which is also why you and I got the lime and colorful eyeshadow going on right. today. You we try to really theme see. it up. But the brand's motto also then became makeup for unicorns. Mm -hmm. And this is really what emphasized this unicorn theme kind of in the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. Basically how the company believes in cosmetics as a method of self-empowerment and creative expression. They were also Lolita inspired. Have you ever heard of that? No. So this presents vibrant colors and abstract patterns. Wikipedia describes Lolita inspired as a subculture from Japan that is highly influenced by Victorian clothing and styles from the Rococo period. Mm -hmm. A very distinctive property of Lolita fashion is aesthetic of cuteness. Just know that's super cute. This clothing subculture can be categorized into three main sub-styles, gothic, classic, and sweet. 
which I mean, you can kind of see that if you're getting a picture yeah. in your head of like the style and like, target audience essentially right. who they were going for. Many other substyles include sailor, country, haim, which is princess, guru, which is grotesque, mm. ki, and wa. Of course, these are Japanese terms, right? Yeah. Based on traditional Chinese and Japanese dress, punk, shiro, or white, kuro, or black, and steampunk. All, like all of these like little sub okay. types also exist under the Lolita inspired look. Okay. All right. So this style of evolved widely in the subculture in Japan and other countries in the 1990s and 2000s and may have really become mainstream in the US around 2010. So this is kind of, Dodir was like Erzina. Right. I'll t- talk about her name change was basically on the cusp of what was already could see that coming could see that kind of popularity in fashion and right. the beauty industry coming and it sounds a lot like anime so which is yeah sorry them yeah okay yeah 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 so how did she get here to that point in 2008 when she launched Lime Crime? So in 2003, Zena Vortova was a popular user on LiveJournal, an mm-hmm. online community for a place of like social networking and self-expression. This was kind of like, I don't want to say pre-Facebook or pre definitely pre-Facebook, but mm-hmm. like pre-MySpace. Yeah. The social, where it was kind of like the beginning of the social platforms. And from here, she would sell vintage and reconstructed clothing items on eBay with the username Thunderwear. Mm-hmm. She then created a live journal group called Little Big Girls promoted her indie designers and other indie designers and joined a community of vintage goth lolly fashion lovers and this group was by invite only it was very it was like a private group okay Okay. Her original fashion line under the name of Lime Crime was launched in 2004 bright candy colors big bold patterns Allegedly all handmade by Xena herself, the Little Big Girls was integral to her initial success. She relaunched Lime Crime clothing line. Now, this is where her her very first controversy came into play. Mm-hmm. The clothing line that she said she made herself was very similar to another retailer. Her name is Amy Doan. Mm-hmm. She was the founder of Sugar Pill Cosmetics and established kind of eBay selling powerhouse mm-hmm. who sold handmade brightly colored clothing and many of Zena's original, quote unquote, original clothing, people thought that she copied it off of Amy Doan's successes. Okay. So Zena then was like, all right, I'm gonna go into the beauty industry. And she began creating makeup tutorials, posting them on LiveJournal. Mm-hmm. And she claimed she was the very first person to do a makeup tutorial. While this is debatable, mm-hmm. she is one of the first to kind of pioneer the popularity into makeup tutorials online. Wow. There were claims that she was copying another other creator. Supayana, who designed kids' clothes and retro dresses, were very similar to Xena's clothing line, her aesthetic, and her target audience that she used. So in addition to, like, the clothing, she had this, she started to come out in beauty, but she basically ended up getting rid of the clothing kind of altogether because she was starting to get a bad reputation. But, I mean, anybody could say that. I mean, it, it, sure. she, she didn't stand by her designs and say, you know what, they're not the same. Well, and this was, like, this was also almost 20 years ago when I think awareness in online bullying Mm. is handled a lot differently now than it would have been back then. Makes sense. Okay. So in 2008, Xena renamed herself Doe Deer and that's D-E-E-R-E. Okay. And Doe, a deer, a female deer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she started a music career. That didn't stick either. (laughs) However, her name did. 
she relaunched her blogazine, which is a magazine blog. Mm-hmm. It's, she called it blogazine, where she wore her outfits that she handmade and her beauty looks, and she would post all of that on her what she called a blogazine. Mm-hmm. She wrote about previous Halloween costumes, and there was one blog that she had that she went back several years on her various different Halloween costumes. However, one in particular, 2007, she dressed up as Adolf Hitler. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so this obviously got a lot of critiques, you know, and criticisms over her choice and the fact that she was boasting about it. Yeah. So her response in her post is that she just wanted to see how much she could get away with by wearing an Adolf Hitler costume. Mm. She denied, of course, any affiliation to Nazism. And she claimed that she wore the Hitler costume as a joke saying, quote, this is not me trying to elevate Hitler as a person. This is me mocking Hitler, end quote. Nobody wants to see Hitler mocked. Like, no, <laughs> we're not there. Like, that's not a thing. It, no, no. Wow. Oh, okay. So in the midst of her Lime Crime beauty line, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna rhyme a lot of Lime Crime <laughs> beauty line. <laughs> be a rapper. <laughs> Or be a poet like like Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. Caw, caw. <laughs> so in the midst of her Lime Crime launch in October of 2008, their customer base was primarily online users. She was very kind of up in the eBay selling and how she did her business. Mm-hmm. And her marketing focused specifically on social media platforms. Deer started to show her true colors by threatening legal action against a 13-year-old over photo credits. Within a few months, more controversy would follow. So in the midst of launching this, somebody, I guess maybe a 13-year-old had used one of her pictures. Yeah. And she threatened to sue the 13-year-old. So we're going to kind of go through a lot of the different stories Uh and other controversies in the midst of Lyme crime and end with where it all is today. Okay. So the first one I'm calling the repackage gate. Beauty bloggers and makeup critics frequently post their reviews of products online to include Lyme crime. Many reviews of Lyme crime, however, included inconsistency with the product's formula, especially regarding their lipsticks. In 2009, a tight-knit group of beauty bloggers began to suspect Lyme crime was buying their eyeshadow pigments from TKB Cosmetics Mm -hmm. and repackaging them with an outrageous markup. Now, while repackaging is common in the beauty industry, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's only, what, like four companies that actually make cosmetics but we have hundreds and thousands of brands that sell them there's only so many formulas that you get right yeah so repackaging isn't necessarily odd Mm -hmm. but lime crime was not transparent with with this with their customers Mm -hmm. so they thought they were buying an authentic lime crime product but it was actually like a repackaging from Mm -hmm. another company but it's common and i'll kind of get into this but it's common for if you do repackaging that you make your customers aware this is a repackaging of another formula okay or of somebody else's formula and there are also many critics who say that lime crime sent them ceased and desist orders based on their reviews when repackage gate started the first blogger to reveal the scandal was called anastasia of the new defunct block lipsticks and lightsabers what a name Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the early, like, beauty blog industry, this spread like wildfire. It was a very tight-knit community, about, you know, 15 years. I mean, it's still kind of a tight-knit community, but, like, yeah. this is before it really started to kind of spread. It was very – if you were one of the very first makeup reviewers, you know, online, right. 
your, you know, you started to go up, then other people started to realize, especially I think around COVID, like, hey, I can do beauty product reviews too. Right, right. But the very first reviewer did not give a positive review. Deer responded by posting a video herself to show the production samples and reject the allegations from Anastasia, mm-hmm. stating that she was hands-on in the production from her brand from the start, but she did not show the production of it itself in the video. Deer later on, after some controversy, made the video private so you can no longer watch it. That's very shady. Right. Never mind. I'm going to take that back. It's so funny how this happens all the time today. Like, Oh, I know. Yeah. Like now the the four major companies, they stand by their formula so this doesn't happen anymore because Kylie Jenner has Mm -hmm. bought, I think, she's rebranded other people's lipsticks and Mm -hmm. she doesn't say it. She's just Mm -hmm. like, it's it's my formula now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I paid for, because you do pay the company a lot of money to kind of work with that formula. That doesn't mean you're the only one working with that formula now. They're just like, yeah, it's everywhere. It's how you you just kind of buy, you just kind of buy it out, that piece to it, right? Yeah. Well, no, you lease it. It's not. Or lease. Yeah. Yeah. Lease it out. Yeah. So one other beauty review blogger, her name is Christine of Temptalia, Mm -hmm. wrote a negative review on the Lime Crime Unicorn Lipsticks. Lime Crime's response was to share Christine's personal email with customers uh. and encourage them to write positive reviews and send them back to Christine. Christine ended up giving Lime Crime lipsticks a C grade. It seems like she did not make any friends in this community. Oh, no. It, it gets better. Oh, so one other beauty blogger by the name of Grey Legothic, Legothic okay. claimed she received a threatening letter for libel and slander by Lime Crime in 2009, again, rhyme, rhyme, mm-hmm. to, take down her <laughs> to take down her negative review of their products and post an apology. Gray allegedly faked her own death. What? Because of this? <laughs> because of this and because of the next thing. Okay. She had other internet issues <laughs> with an online knitting community. She was booted from this online knitting community. She also had like things where people could subscribe Mm -hmm. and they would send her things that she could try. She failed to use the products. She failed to like, she kept the money Uh (laughs) and any donations that people would give her, whether it's product or monetary, and never did any reviews of them. Pissed off commenters who realized that she was doing nothing with their money or their products, gave Gray's personal information to authorities including Child Protective Services, and making a house call. Now, while this may or may not be true, Gray did remove her review, her negative review of Lime Crime, all around, and I think probably faking her own death to, like, completely get off of the social market. Are you f- <laughs> That's crazy. Maybe Gray from Le Gothique did die, and she became something else. Oh, my but, God. Yeah. So, Courtney is a founder of Fira a beauty blog, and said the following in an article I found from Vox, V-O-X. Quote, there should be transparency. If it's repackaged, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But let us know because I feel like I'm wasting my money and being lied to. People feel like buying indie is better than buying anything else. Mm-hmm. End quote. Now, while most beauty bloggers have gone silent against their Lime Crime reviews, especially after they've been threatened, Courtney is not one of them. While it's public knowledge that Deer pursued lawsuits with her negative reviews, another reviewer, Michelle Jijinski, was the first actual litigation that Deer fully pursued for damages to her reputation mm-hmm. and lost sales of allegedly $2,500,000. Wow. Jijinski authored a blog called 
quote-unquote doe deer lies, which supposedly exposed the company's wrongdoing, and she did back it up by evidence. Jajinsky said in the same Vox article that the argument was her blog was for profit because she ran ads on her blog site. Mm-hmm. And she said, quote, I think they thought if I were the owner of, the, of another company that me having the blog that had ads on it because it was written in their perspective for profit that they could make a legal argument that I was having financial gain by saying what I was saying. Mm-hmm. I think they thought I could have been perceived as indicting their business for the sake of benefiting my own, which I could totally see that. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're making mm-hmm. money essentially off of another company, and that's where a lot of, co- like, if you're thinking copyright and, mm-hmm. you know, like, all of this stuff, that's why we reference it, right? right. We don't make this shit up. We no. take it from other references. Right. <laughs> Jajinski, who worked for an attorney at the time, showed the paperwork to her coworkers, and basically they said there wasn't enough for this complaint for it to be filed, or, and actually they didn't understand how it was able to be filed or go through in the first place. Mm-hmm. This case was voluntarily dismissed by both parties. It is the only legal documentation on file of Deere's attempted lawsuits. The company was also known to delete negative or critical comments from their social media pages up until about 2014 as an attempt to maintain their brand name. So that was just, that's just the first little subtopic that we're going to talk about. The next one is a little bit more touchy. Okay. Have you ever seen or heard of the China doll palette? No. Mm -mm. Okay. I'm going to have pictures of this one. I found some pictures of the original one, uh, and I'll post it on Patreon. So a Lime Crime five-pan palette received huge backlash after it was released in 2012 due to its cultural appropriation of Chinese culture. Okay. It was called the China Doll Palette, but it showcased a Caucasian model in Japanese kimono while exploiting an aesthetic based in the 1920s Chinese women. Okay. In the description on the palette, Quote, don't let her milky skin, pouty mouth, and flushed cheeks fool you. Underneath the poised face, there lies a heart of tigress. End quote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, Lime Crime criticized, did a half-ass apology. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of what happened. They apologized to the people that the people were offended by it. Okay. Not that the fact that they were doing the offending. Right. Right. Uh huh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You. F- I'm sorry. You're sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You feel. I'm that sorry. Way. You feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Doe Deer was called culturally insensitive mm. and ignorant as limited efforts were made to change the advertising campaign. She posted again on her vlogazine. It came from a good place in my heart, and it saddens me to see anyone get offended by it. I'm not going to kill her because it makes some people uncomfortable. That would require sacrificing my artistic integrity and sending radical message that I don't believe in the community. And quote unquote, borrowing culture is vital to ending racism, bigotry, and misanthropy. This misanthropy. girl is an idiot. All right, wait. She first of all, she came out dressed up as Adolf Hitler, and it doesn't stop. Like, is she just she's she is disconnected and very immature? And it seems like she's got a lot of gusto for to go with for her yeah. dreams, but she's an idiot. Other than that, all right. Well, I I, I found a two thousand March two thousand and twelve review of the China Doll Palette. How was it? So we're gonna go through and break down each of the colors. Okay. Oh boy. That's like I said. It's five. It's a five pan palette. Oh boy. A review of the China Doll palette was made by Glitter Girl C. She is from Norway. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the five pigments. So the first one is Fly Dragonfly. 
She describes it as a fiery true red that is a bit on the orange side. It has a matte texture and it's very pigmented. It doesn't stain like a lot of reds do. Yay! The second one is called Parasol. A pretty light blue matte color. I have always been looking for a true baby blue color like this one, which this is pigmented. The shadow is perfect to place on the lid over a white liner or on the waterline for a pop of blue. Another good review. Goldfish is the third one. It has a very unique color since it's both yellow and gold at the same time. It is a metallic color and the only one of the shadows with some shimmer on it. It is very vibrant and pigmented. So number four, the fourth color is called Jade Olaid. It's matte, rich, jade slash teal color. This is my favorite shadow in the palette because I just love colors like this. It's very pigmented. And then the last one is called Lotus Noir. Mm -hmm. It's described as matte black eyeshadow. The pigmentation isn't good as the other colors in the palette, but the only black that I have with more pigmentation than this one is the Mug Corrupt. But compared to the Mug Eyeshadow, it doesn't leave any fallout. So if I need a good black without fallout, I'll use Lotus Noir. Uh, That's not a bad review. No, it wasn't a bad review at all. And the colors actually sound really nice. Yeah. And I've got got some pictures and stuff on there. Very bright colors. The cover's a little questionable. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the third quick topic is called called the boycott at the iMats. Mm. Beauty YouTubers publicized their dislike for the brand of Lime Crime, which is one of the main reasons, allegedly, Lime Crime did not show at the iMats, the International Makeup Artist Trade Show. The negative reviews also uh, were making them decline in popularity. Mm -hmm. Up until 2014, they attended iMats every year. However, the brand failed to show in Los Angeles. And I think they have them in like Los Angeles, New York, big cities. Right. So the one in Los Angeles, they failed to show what they have been at every year since then. Some feel it was due to a petition for Lime Crime to boycott the trade show due to their reputation. However, the petition only received 12,600 of the required 2,000 signatures. Mm-hmm. Why they no-showed? I don't know. So Lime Crime started to be sold in Sephora, which is the next topic we'll talk about. Mm. Beauty retailer Sephora began selling Lime Crime in 2014. Can you guess how long it lasted? Uh, a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> Only after a few weeks, in light of the scandal surrounding Lime Crime, Sephora dropped the brand with the customers complaining about the quality of the product as well as Doe Deer's behaviors. One example of this is when she posted in a blog magazine about Adolf Hitler costume that she wore for Halloween. Right there, that just sums up. That, that destroyed her career. Yeah. So the next part is their cyber breach. Lime crime, cyber crime. Okay. Bad time. No rhyme. (laughs) Many companies, corporations, and government agencies are victims to security breaches, and lime crime is not immune. Mm -hmm. In 2015, the company reported via Instagram they were hacked, and critical customer data was likely exposed to include credit cards, names, and addresses. However, many of the customers blame Lime Crime for being dishonest with how they handled the leak. This would be due to the company using expired SSL certificates for like how people purchased it through like safe and secure site. Right. It was expired. The information that they had and how it protected the customer's personal information. Some victims of the cybercrime state that Lime Crime was aware of this breach for more than a year and ignored early reporting by customers. Oh my God. God, these people's information was out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Two to three hundred thousand dollars was lost in cyber victims. 
and unauthorized purchases with the individual victims reporting one person reported a $10,000 loss from one person. Can you imagine no. somebody else stealing your information and buying $10,000 worth of Lime Crime makeup that wasn't sent to you? <laughs> they, you know what's crazy is that there's so much, this girl's getting so much opportunity. To fix it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it is a killer name. Lime Crime is a great name. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably why Sephora thought they can rebrand or redo something. Sure, yeah. But she's just, she's a hot mess. Okay. So some of, some unknown hackers planted malware on the website that leaked the customer's information and credit card details. Uh The malicious software carried on from October of 2015 to February, sorry, October 2014 to February 2015. So they knew about it, did nothing about the malicious software, used the expired SSL certificate up until 2015. On the Lime Crime website, they had a section where they explained the security breach and stated, quote, their site is now safe to shop. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) Nonetheless, many customers are still not convinced and continue to stay away from the brand. Uh In 2017, Lime Crime agreed to pay $110,000 class action settlement after years of negotiations and mediations. This award was being granted to class members who made their claims legitimately. How much do you think that resulted if you have up to $300,000 stolen, but they only agree to pay $110,000? That came out to being $44 per person who was eligible for the refund. Right. $44. You're out $10,000. You're getting $44 back. Yeah. Oh my God. And oh, by the way, you get 15% off purchases made I'll with Lime Crime. Oh, fuck off. Like, I hate when they do that. Like, I hate it. That was a, <laughs> it was only valid for a year. Oh, <laughs> It was only valid for a year. The victims responded negatively, as you can imagine, and a majority of them will no longer support this brand or its products. That's just bad business. Yeah. That's just bad business. I don't think I'm going to order from them. But you might change your mind by the end of okay. it. Okay. kind of make a comeback a little bit. All right. We'll get into it. Right. Chatters, let us know. Okay. Okay. The next one is the scandalous one. Oh. Well, it's all been kind of scandalous. Okay. Like super scandalous. We still have- Like government- We still have a dead body somewhere. We don't know where that poor girl is. Gray. <laughs> Where's Gray? <laughs> poor Gray. <laughs> So in 2015, the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, launched an investigation after six Lyme Crime customers complained about their products in a two-month period. The FDA conducted tests and reviewed that one of their products, a lipstick, that resulted in a warning letter violation to Lyme Crime. The shade was called Red Velvet, and it contained ferric ferrocyanide and ultramarines in the formula, which violated Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Wow. A majority who complained to the company directly by social media were ignored or blocked by the company. They're just like, I can't see you. If I can't see you, I can't acknowledge you. <laughs> Limecrime responded via social media saying the violation was due to a misprint on the packaging. Basically, the FDA was saying you did not warn your consumers that these products were on the in- ingredients. Limecrime came back and said, oops, it was just a misprint. <laughs> a normal response would have been to reach out to your customers instead of just doing a social media post, right? Reach out to your customers, send them an email, let them know you're addressing the issue, let them know you're on top of it. Uh-huh. In November, in that same year, 2015, Limecrime published an FDA closeout letter on their website which verified the corrections made to their products and that it was a mislabeling on their packaging so basically they fixed what they were supposed to fix fda said okay you fixed it and then they address it and put it out on their website now i went back it's not there anymore Mm. and granted it's like seven eight years ago right but you would still think that kind of thing would be on there especially addressing 
the reputation that the company has. Yeah. Now, it could be because of our next topic is going to be a change of leadership mm. and how they have changed the face of the company, if you will. Yeah. So in 2016, Doe Deer stepped down as the public face of Lime Crime. Mm-hmm. It's probably the smartest decision she made. Yeah. <laughs> now, in 2017, Kim Wall, a beauty industry veteran, stepped up to help clean up the reputation of the product partnered with Ulta and Riley Rose, which then ended in the procurement by Tengram Capital Partners. Also in 2017, retail sales were reportedly equivalent to $36.4 million, increasing in the projections, but the brand wanted to expand into China. However, products manufactured in foreign markets are required to undergo animal testing, and this was the biggest part of their you know, indie brand was that they were vegan and did not test on animals. Right. Right, so that, that was kind of against their company. But in order to be able to sell in China, they, in, as I mentioned, yeah. go internationally, that was a requirement. So instead, they decided to sell their products to Revolve, who then shipped the products to China, okay. circumventing the animal testing requirement. This backfired in more ways than one. <laughs> First, the methods of which sales occurred in China led to more than 1,700 counterfeit e-retailers. More than $2 million in product value was confiscated and destroyed because of the importing and exporting. Right. And then this left general manager Kim Walls in a rut, and she left the company in 2018. Oh, my God. So I mentioned the purchase by Tengram Capital Partners, Mm -hmm. which she kind of helped do. So basically, they're a private firm aimed to focus on developing Lime Crime as a conventional and commercial acceptable brand. It meant it went from being independently owned to now being corporate. Yeah. Yeah. So surrounding the corporate purchase of Lime Crime and the resignation of Kim Walls, Stacy Panagakis, that's a Greek name, isn't it? Panagakis? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. <laughs> Stacy Panagakis became the CEO of Lime Crime. The brand shift would allow an expanded market and product distribution. Deer joined the board of directors and stepped down from day-to-day operations. So mm-hmm. she was still kind of involved at this time. But in 2020, there would be another shift. Oh, boy. Andrea Blyden, who was a formal general manager of the body shop, was appointed CEO. Deer completely stepped down with all things Lime Crime. Once dubbed as the beauty industry's most hated company, Blyden was charged with changing public opinion. She said, quote, As soon as I began, I had to fill roles. I had to attract and bring in the right kind of talent who had done the due diligence on the brand and were ready to commit to this with a fresh start, end quote. Mm Mm-hmm. She also focused on returning the brand to its origin of bright neon and alternative colors, larger-than-life vibes, and according to a Vogue Business Magazine article, she said, quote, The broadening of its hair offer allowed Lime Crime to expand to new retailers such as Sally Beauty, Walmart, and Target. Blyden says that the goal was to reach new customers, solidify its positioning, and ride the wave of more whimsical approach to beauty, end quote. Okay. So they kind of expanded a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And since then, Lime Crime has expanded into hair care, which now accounts for 70, 70% of their sales. Wow. One of the responses on our poll was, I've never used the beauty products, but I have the hair dye and I love it. Okay. Most recently, they announced they would be cutting their prices to reposition themselves in the beauty market. And this would make Lime Crime more accessible and may hold themselves to a new target audience. I mean, if you're going out and you're, you're partnering with Walmart and Target, I mean, that may be a little bit more affordable than going to Ulta. Right, right. And those, people, those people are not going to jump online and critique you as much. 
Because right, they're paying yeah. $3 for the eyeshadow palette. It's a, it's a, <laughs> right. it's a, a costly mistake. So now Lime Crime is actually certified vegan and cruelty-free by PETA and another reviewer or company called Leaping Bunny. Have you heard of them? Mm-mm. No. I get, I'm very similar to PETA, I suppose. Okay. They are stocked in ASOS, ASOS, Revolve, Cult Beauty, Ulta, and Bloomingdale's. Okay. Lime Crime products range from cosmetics to beauty to include lips, eyes, hair, face, bundles, and accessories to including now their hair dye. And as of 2022, they have expanded their retail footprint from 2,000 into 6,000 stores. Their hair care category has now peaked at up at 73% of all sales. Wow. So you think they've made a comeback? What do you think, Chatters? What do you think, Nat? Yeah, I think a good name can go the, the long mile. I think they had a mm-hmm. winning name. Lime Crime. That's it. That's great. It's a great name. And and, yeah. and you had some people saying we can we could do... She was a hot mess. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she, I, that, that, it's sad. As soon as she stepped out of the picture, I mean, she's probably rich. I mean, selling the company and getting rid of it. Like, yeah. you know, Kim Walls would have probably been like, let me do you a favor. Let me buy, let me work with the company. We'll buy this from you. We'll make it corporate. Right. Sit down in the corner and behave yourself. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and yeah. it's just, she just really did not do the company any favors. But it goes to show you that a trendy name yeah. can make it out if, if you, if, you know, like, yeah, like Lime Crime. I, that's a great fucking name. So is Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. I mean, pff. hell yeah. Crime <laughs> Chat just did Lime Crime, bitches. <laughs> so I was, you know, and like I said, when I first started looking into it and I'm like, eh, you know, bad reviews, eh. But when you get into like Grey, the like, gothic, you know, faking her own death to avoid social media I don't know. We know enough people in this business that we could write a poll out there. Let's ask a question. Mm-hmm. Where's Gray? Give us your best. Where's gray? Where the fuck is Gray? Like where? Let's find Gray. Let's let's like a Where's Waldo? Like a Where's Waldo? Where's Gray? What what is Gray? Where's lo- Gray? Well, I want to know what this person looks like. I want to I want to see. I want I want to dig a little bit. Where's Gray? Let's dig. Let's dig. Let's gray. do it. Where's Gray? Gray, if you're a chatter, holler yes. at us, girl. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's just super interesting the the fact that they, you know, swindled their customers out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Knowingly. Now, I guess you have an, an expired certificate that allows, easily allows malware and hackers to get in there and get information. I mean, that's kind of like your physical security, if you will. Like, you're not going to let a shooter in. No, this you're is... You're going to shoot them this first. This is total ir- irresponsibility. This is just yeah. a, running a company... She continued to run this place like an eBay store. Yeah. It's a it's a national brand. Like, you can't do that. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the fact that, you know, between that and then the ins- insensitivities mm-hmm. of the China doll palette. Even the China doll palette. I was palette. just mocking Hitler. Well, Hitler, I, that, that is just like, her, her career should have been ended at that moment. But the China doll palette, you can rebrand that. Those colors sounded amazing, each one of them. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. repackage that, re, like be, be more sensitive and culturally sensitive and mature about it. But yeah, the colors sounded amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, and, the, and, and just peeking around their website and everything, kind of of what they do have now, it's very. Mm-hmm. They did bring it back to the originating vibrant, yeah, you know, kind of aesthetic to it. Neon yeah. colors and 
just they did kind of bring it all back to that now some of the controversy that i also that i didn't quite mention then is up until they became corporate Mm. all of their employees were white oh and this was also part of like a racial scandal where they were saying lime crime doesn't support other races and that was part of the china doll issue right Uh, they don't support the lgbtq community and now that now they're taking those kind of critiques as well Mm -hmm. they do employ all you know have an equal opportunity but i mean they've had to build themselves from the ground up right after i mean it's like rebuilding a building after it's fallen down yeah where do you start do you start the foundation or you to completely like redo it you take the name out of the debris you wipe it off (laughs) and you're like all right we're gonna try this again she did, yeah. she did one thing right. She coined a name. She did one thing right. And where is she now? So she has 366,000 followers on Instagram. Makeup is screwy like that. Beauty industry is screwy. Oh, my God. Let's see. Her last post was three hours ago. Really? So she's out there. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at her products. They, they look cute. They're at Ulta. This is interesting. She has a TikTok up here. Wearing my new dress to the Japanese gardens in the valley. So I'm guessing she's in California. I'm sure California. she's very wealthy. Sounds like. She's yeah, very she can have the girl. attitude that she wants now. Oh, I see the picture. I see exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yes. The China doll? That's wrong. Yeah. No. Bad, bad choice. Bad choice. Definitely. But the colors are beautiful, but bad <laughs> choice. And she's still, I mean, she's still out there. Her name, she still goes by uh, Doe. Doe Deer. Mm-hmm. Huh. How old is she now? So 2008, she was 23. So she's young. 338, if I'm doing math right. I don't math. I don't math. Cat don't math. <laughs> so she has a picture on her Instagram that says, she stands tall and proud where the wild things are. Yeah. She is She's wild. very immature. <laughs> Everything is lime crime mm-hmm. because we rhyme. Literally. All on time. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I don't know if it's because of the name or I just Edgar Allan Poe know. or whatever, but Edgar Allan Poe, but we on a roll. <laughs> I mean, and so while this episode is a break from murder, we did talk a little death row. Yes. No, this. But we did. We talked about the beauty industry and how that's just like, ah, it's so scandalous. And, I love. It I it, Look, Crime Chat is about crime. I love the scandal. Like, I love the unknown <laughs> and the scandal and all that stuff. This is, yeah, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for doing yeah. this. I can't, I can't wait to see if uh, we should do another poll. Let's find it. Where is Gray? Let's find Gray. Yes. Is it a girl or a guy? Do we know? The information I got from that time frame and the information I got from led me to believe it was a female. Okay. Maybe we can get an interview with her on Crime Chat. <gasps> Reach out to us, Gray. Reach out to us, Gray. Yes. Because we don't want to leave you hanging, chatters. For more information on this scandalous case, please check out After That Crime Chat, only available on Patreon. Don't forget to follow Crime Chat with Nat Cat on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. I don't want to stop rhyming at all (laughs) to see what we have coming up next. Yes, remember that Crime Chat with Nat and Cat literally subscribe literally to the Patreon literally for the bonus episodes, behind the scenes bloopers, and check out Merch in the Works literally we're gonna have some cool merch in the works too yes we got cool stuff on the way and be sure to check out our next episode nat is gonna be going over our first movie versus reality for season two yeah i can you give us a hint no i'm I'm debating on which one to do because there's so fucking many i know i can't wait do you have a a preference is there something you would like to learn about oh let's do a poll let's do that chatters what do you want to hear what movies are out there that are based on something that happened in the real world that you want 
want to know about. Yeah, exactly. You want the facts. You want the deep. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so you don't want to miss it, chatters. And we'll see you on the next Rhyme Chat. Bye. Bye.